0: Our Heavenly Father, would you now fill this place with the Spirit of the living God. Would you let our hearts truly be fertile soil on which the seed of God's Word will fall and bear abundant fruit. For those of us that are Christians already, I pray that it will draw us near to Christ anew and afresh. And that our lives will only bear spiritual fruit that only God's Spirit can create within us. For those that are here without a relationship to Jesus or those watching by a live stream that may not know Jesus, I pray today could be a day of salvation. That the message of the gospel is so clear that anyone without Christ would not leave this service that way but would come on this holiday weekend to truly come to know Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of each life who trusts in him. May the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to direct your attention to three pri- primary scriptures. The first is in 1 Samuel chapter 20, then 2 Samuel chapter 4, and we're going to wind up at 2 Samuel 9. First Samuel chapter 20 is where we began. I'm going to talk today about a man that lost everything. Some of you in this room know what that's like, to have a house fire and say, everything we had burned up. Some of you have been through a tornado, and you say, I was in a tornado, and before the storm there was a neighborhood, and after the storm there were just con. Congress- concrete slab. Some of you have been through a flood. Some of you through a tragedy of loss of business and it kept you down so long that you spent all your savings and you said we've never fully recovered. When we see people that lose everything, we have this deep sense of loss in their behalf. And if you've lost something, you never quite get over the fact of all that you lost in that moment of time. Though you may have gotten plenty of wealth again, you still remember the pain in that moment when it all went away. Today, I want to talk to you about a man who lost everything and lived in a place where there was no hope until he was summoned by the king. Now sometimes you come to church and some of you say I didn't grow up in church and you'll tell a story and I think everybody around me already knows that story. I didn't know it because I didn't grow up in church. Today I'm going to tell a story that those of you who grew up in church probably don't know and not because it's not a great story. We can't say the name. His name's Mephibosheth. Now some of you are pregnant and expecting a child you might consider Mephibosheth is the name of your first, second, third born, right? well maybe not but anyway in Hebrew Mephibosheth was a a name of a man who really did have a great encounter because the king look with me and let's find out about his story first Samuel chapter 20 look in verse 13 Jonathan is the son of Saul Jonathan and the future king David are best friends the word has come to David that likely Saul is going to kill him or try to kill him and Jonathan makes a covenant with David if I die Would you be kind to those who come after me in my family? Look in 1 Samuel 20, verse 13. May the Lord be with you, David, just as he was with my father, meaning Saul. This is Jonathan talking. And if I continue to live, treat me with the Lord's faithful love. You're going to be king. I'm the son of the former king. But I would ask you to be considerate to me if you come into power. But if I die, verse 15, don't ever withdraw your faithful love from my household, not even when the Lord cuts off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. And so there's the promise If I die, will you be kind to anybody in my household that may be around when you become king? Look at 2 Samuel 4 and let's find out who this young man is that we're going to talk about today named Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 4. Look with me in verse 4. Now Saul's son Jonathan had a son whose feet were crippled. How did that happen? He was five years old when the report came that Saul and Jonathan were killed in Jezreel. They were in, in war with the Philistines. On a single day, this boy's daddy and granddaddy, the king and the prince of Israel, were slain in battle by Philistine uh, because of a Philistine attack. And the word came to the palace that he's that, that they're dead. Now look what happens. His nurse picked up Mephibosheth and she fled. But as she was hurrying to flee, she fell or he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now that's the picture. A boy in his early years, five years old, is his nurse who loves him picks him up and is trying to get him out of the palace, knowing that if the Philistines find out there's any male heir to the throne, they're going to kill him. He's five. But if you're in line for the throne and they would assumed he was because he's the grandson of Saul, son of Jonathan, they would have killed him. And so she grabbed him up to try to rescue him and in the process something happened and he either fell out of her arms or she fell running and hit rocks or something and he became crippled. Now let's pick up the story in 2 Samuel 9. David has now conquered everybody that's been trying to kill him for a long time. He's finally settled in Jerusalem in peace. And as he comes to that time in his life, we pick up the story in 2 Samuel 9 verse 1. David asked, notice this, whosoever will call. That's the call of God in the gospel. Whosoever will, let him come. He said, is there anybody in the household of Saul that I can honor my promise with Jonathan to care for the family of Jonathan? He he allowed uh, what he told me uh, to do to escape the wrath of his dad spared my life. I want to show kindness to his household, not only because I promised, but I would not be alive had Jonathan not given me good information to escape Saul. So chapter 9, verse 1, Is there anybody remaining from Saul's family to whom I can show mercy or kindness because of my promise to Jonathan? There was a servant of Saul's named Ziba, and they summoned him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, I'm your servant to the king. And so King David asked, is there anybody left of Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to? And Ziba said, there is one son, but I need to tell you, he's lame in both feet. Now, why in the world would that be in Scripture? Because in that day and age, you didn't bring anybody sick, you didn't bring anybody disease, you didn't bring anybody palsied, you didn't bring anybody crippled, you didn't bring anybody paralyzed. Nothing that was not absolutely perfect was to enter the presence of the king. And so when the message is given by Zeba, you're asking, is there anybody to whom I can show kindness? Your honor, Sir King, Mr. David, you need to understand there is a boy, but you won't want him in your palace. He's a cripple. It's not right to bring a cripple before the presence of the king. The truth is, you and I are moral cripples. We have no business in the throne room of God. In and of ourselves, our righteousness is trash. On our best day, the Bible says it's as filthy rags. We cannot come into the presence of God because of who we are unless somebody from that side forgives us and gives us grace and gives us cleaning and gives us a robe of righteousness and gives us sandals to walk the streets of gold and gives us access because our name is on the roll of that kingdom. We shall not enter. And so the word was, yes, there's somebody, but King David, whatever you do, you're going to need to do long distance. He's not going to come in here because he's a cripple. There's some who don't come to church because they say they wouldn't accept me. I, I'm just a cripple. Uh, I've done things that have left me marked. My family doesn't even like me. I know those people of church wouldn't like me. I've heard how mean they are to sinners. They don't want me in there. Anybody here not a sinner? I don't see any hands. So the truth is we're all in the same bad crowd. We're all sinners. We've all rebelled against God. And the Bible says, here's Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, who's a sinner. He's broken. He's hurt. He's crippled. And so the word is, there is a boy you could show, a young man you could show mercy to, but here's the problem. He's not going to come in here, your honor. He's a cripple. He's lame. And he's lame in both feet. Verse 4, the king asked him, where is he? Now, these words are rich with meaning. They mean nothing to us because we don't know Hebrew. But I want you to write these down because these are worth remembering. That's where some of you live, where he's about to find out where he lives. You say, that's my home. The king said, you'll find him. Ziva said to the king, you'll find him in Lodabar. That word low means no in Hebrew. Lodabar means no pasture. The Bible said the psalmist, when he talked of God, he leads me beside green pastures and beside still meaning calm, deep waters where I can drink to my heart's content. He said, this boy is not near green pastures. He's not beside still waters. He's in a place where there's no pasture. What place has no pasture? A desert. What place has no clear water? A desert. It's barren. It's dead. Some of you say, Pastor, you just described my life in one word. I see people laughing around me and it almost makes me mad because I am so broken I see people singing in church, and I I, I stay silent because I think, how can you sing? You don't know anything like life I know, or you wouldn't be singing. Some of you this morning, your address is 103 Desert Street, but that's not the worst. Look, you'll find him in Lodabar, the desert, no pasture, no hope, no promise. And the word house of Makir, the word in Hebrew for house, can also mean prison. And Makir means sold out to, and Makir's the son of Amiel, and Amiel means darkness. Can I give you the living translation? Where can I find this boy that's a cripple? He's out there where there's no pasture, no promise, no hope. He's in the prison house having been sold out to darkness, and he's lived his life in despair. Some of you in this room say, Brother Nick, everything I've tried to do, is, it just collapses. I, I can't make anything work. My, my family's in trouble. My finances are a wreck. My job, I'm not sure I'm going to keep. My company is teetering on the brink of shutting down. My children uh, are not what I, uh, I would have hoped in being obedient. My mama uh, and daddy have divorced. I, I, my life is a wreck. Anybody here live at 103 Debar in the house of Makir, son of Amiel? Yeah. Anybody here brazen enough to admit to God, I, God, I don't walk straight, I'm a cripple. You ever watched a true cripple walk? Today we have so many motorized chairs, you don't see many cripple people actually walking. He said, I can't walk straight, my feet don't work. Now I want you to think what this boy's situation was. He, he, he was a cripple, number one, and see in that day, says, you cripple, you know not not just in trouble, you were going to starve if somebody didn't help you. They didn't, have motorized, they didn't have motorized wheelchairs. They didn't have rehab houses where you could go and live till you kind of learned to walk better. I, I don't know what happened, but we know he was a cripple because somehow when the word came, they're going to kill you. See, when, when the new king came to power, most often they'd kill all the royal family of the preceding regime. Why? A dead prince can't lead a rebellion. A dead princess can't gather support to lead a rebellion. So the best way to guarantee I'm never again going to be troubled by that former regime's family, I'll just kill them. Here's a nurse that knows here come the Philistines and they've already gotten your granddaddy and they got your daddy. She didn't hurt that boy on purpose. Some of you in this room are wounded for nothing you ever did. Some of you young ladies are terribly hurt and wounded because somebody molested you when you were a child. God forbid it's happening now. Some of you were raped. Some of you went through a horrible abortion. Some of you went through a very difficult time of of, of losing a child and you've never been quite the same. You grieve. You you didn't do it. It, it. It happened to you. Some of you in this room went through a time when you lost not one job, but several. Some of you watched your wife leave you, didn't you? Some of you watched your husband walk out on you. Some of you saw your children go through a massive illness you never dreamed would happen. You didn't do anything. That's this boy. He didn't do anything to be crippled. If anything, this nurse loved him and was trying to save his life. But it's the picture we can't save ourselves. My daddy, though he loved Jesus, he couldn't. He couldn't get me away from God's wrath he couldn't he loved me but he's not capable my mama was not capable I can't save my son I can't save his wife I can't save my grandson I love him but I can't save him I can't change him only God can do that I can't save my daughter can't save my wife this nurse couldn't save Mephibosheth. She tried. She had him in his arm, not because she hated him, because she loved him. She said, son, I got to get you out of here. And I don't know if she looked back to, to see if something was coming, but some way she either hit some rocks or she stumbled in a pasture. She stumbled somewhere and evidently what was beneath her was heavy and she must have broken his ankles or his knees or something. If it had just been a big bone, they'd put a splint. At least he could have limped and walk. But whatever she broke, it didn't function after that break at five. Some of you have been walking wounded now since you were very young, haven't you? you? You didn't have anything to do with it, but it happened to you, and therefore you're still, you're still hurting. This boy couldn't limp. He couldn't walk. He, he, he was a cripple. If you didn't walk, you didn't work. If you didn't work, you didn't eat. And the Bible says if it had not been for the house of McK, at least taking him in, he would have perished. He was not only crippled. he's a refugee. You're watching the same news I'm watching. I don't know what we're going to do with all the refugees trying to get away from ISIS and all those horrible places where there's so much war and sorrow. You saw this week when Aylin, the little Syrian boy, was found on a beach, three years old, face down in the sand. Precious picture. Looked like he's just asleep. Waves of water would begin to wash in, and a person saw him laying there. His little head down, like a little three-year-old, just taking a nap, a little behind, sticking up. And if you didn't know better, you'd think he's just taking a nap there on the beach. Aylan was one, a family of four, that left Syria trying to get to a Greek island, doing their best to get away from Isis. Isis ISIS had already killed 13 members of the father's family. The father got his wife and two children, a five-year-old son and a three-year-old little boy, And everybody but the daddy died when a boat that was overloaded left Syria trying to get to one Greek isle. And even the daddy said before they took off, and he saw how tightly they were packed and how low the boat was in the water, he said, let me get my family off. And the captain said, oh no, this is fine. We've done this before. You'll be okay and they weren't okay. When they got out in the choppy water, the ocean, even the captain jumped ship, and the father tried his best to steer the vessel, but the waves were too strong, and he said, we went down, and for 20 minutes, he said, I was watching, trying to see my wife or my sons, and I couldn't find them, and it was killing me, and he said, I watched people around me go down and not come back up, and I was crying out to my children, and I couldn't find them, and days later on the Turkish beach of the Turkish sand is washed up the little boy of a boy named Alan three years old a refugee here was a little boy a refugee he was trying to get away from the king fearful that uh, get away from the Philistines fearful they'd kill the grandson of a king he's crippled he's a refugee he's a long way from home and now he's not taken to a better palace he's taken out there where we've got to hide in the desert some of you today are hiding because it's what you did didn't you aren't you some of you are one step away wondering, am I going to be found out today? Will I be found out tomorrow? Oh my, did I put the right code on that thing on my computer? It, it, what, what if? What if?" And you're terrified. That's where he was out in the desert. He, he didn't know why they had him hidden, but he could tell from their voices they're afraid of something. When you're five, you don't know what's wrong, but you know something's not right. And they were all whispering, we've got to protect him because if the Philistines find him, they'll kill him. Well, let's see what happens. The Bible says he's out there in the desert. In verse 6, Mephibosheth, gets, so King David had him brought, oh my, King David had him brought from the house to David's house. Now, I think you've hit, you're you hidden away, you're a refugee, you're hungry, you're poor, you're a cripple, and now you find out the king knows where I am. That is not good news. Kings kill all the royalty of a previous reigning family. And poor old Mephibosheth says, oh no, they found me. After all these years, he knows where I'm living. I can't run. I'm a cripple. I can't hide because he knows the area I'm in. He's got soldiers. I got nothing. I I can't get away. And David says, you go tell him I want to see him in the palace. Oh my, the king has summoned me. This isn't going to be good. You ever had one of those summons to go see somebody and you dreaded it with all your heart? You had that knot in your stomach the size of a basketball wondering, what's going to happen to me now? Mephibosheth gets word from David, you bring that man to me. And now he thinks, I'm I'm a cripple. I live in a desert. I'm a refugee. I got nothing. And now I'm going to lose my life as sure as the world. I can't run. I can't hide anymore. I've been found out. I got to go face my execution. I wonder how they picked him up. I wonder if they had a stretcher. Did they have a chariot specially made that he could sit in cuz he can't walk out to the he can't walk even out of the house. How did they get him onto something and probably not a horse cuz if you don't have legs it's very hard to ride a horse. How did they get him there? I don't know, but the Bible says in verse 6, "Mephibosheth son of Jonathan son of Saul came to David." And when he got in the palace, he bowed down to the ground and paid homage. You know what? When you're already when your legs don't work and your legs been knocked out from under you and the wind knocked out from under you and you're already poor and you got no standing going to the ground in a long trip is it? See it's one thing when a grown man six foot tall is erected and and somebody says bow down well you kind of got to work at it but when you're already on your bottom and your legs don't work it's just a short trip now here's a man who said i got nothing i am nothing i've lived out there in the desert i i never dreamed i'd ever see the king and the king brings him in and says put him down right there and he bowed down low i reckon so because he thought he's about to die and you know what david did you know what david did same thing god's gonna do to me one day when i stand in his presence david knew his name could always tell if my daddy was happy or sad mad at me by the way he called me nick that wasn't a good i scared you didn't i see that wasn't good when he do that wasn't good for some of y'all your heart right now is back up welcome back to church but see the truth is when somebody hollers at you everything in you kind of jumps he said nick we're at peace right wonder what it sounds like when god calls your name You know, when he spoke in the beginning, and said, let there be, there was. When he called Lazarus, come forth, he did. When he said, disciples, come follow me, they dropped everything. I wonder what it's going to be like when he calls your name. Here's Mephibosheth, he's on his face. His nose is smelling the dust, the, the, the Israeli dust on the floor of the palace of King David. And he hears instead of, get this man out of my sight, go kill this last remaining family of Saul. That's what he expected to hear. That's why some of you don't come to Christ. You're so afraid he's going to condemn you. You're already living condemned. He's welcoming you. You're already under the guilt of sin. He's not going to enhance that guilt. What he wants to do is remove it. When Mephibosheth got on his face and had his nose in the floor and those poor little old palsy legs now they're, they're atrophied because muscles hadn't worked in them since he was five and now those little old flimsy legs where the skin is clinging to his thigh bone and, and his ankles are swollen not from lots of use but from no use and he just puts his nose in the sand and here's the king calling by that name and it's not harsh it's Mephibosheth Mephibosheth boy what's it going to be like when God says Nick Whew. Nick sir look what he says don't be afraid I haven't had people coming to church in a long time fearful because we're not aware we're in the presence of God you're not afraid to come to church you're not afraid of being in this room because it doesn't dawn on most of you you're in presence of God you say well I'm in church you can be in church and not sense the nearness of God When's the last time? See, I know we've, a generation has no fear of God because we never hear anybody say, you don't have to be afraid, come on. In, in Scripture, whenever anybody was in the presence of God, the first word of an angel, if they appeared to somebody, was fear not. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary, he said, fear not. When the shepherd saw the heavens open and saw the angels, the, the word was, fear not. When, when the Bible says Jesus entered the upper room after the resurrection, he said, don't be afraid over and over scripture says fear not I'm with you don't be afraid you hear the word to Mephibosheth who thought he's good as dead heard David say listen don't be afraid son I intend look at verse 7 I intend to show you mercy not because of anything you've done but because your father Jonathan do you realize today you and I are in this place we know Christ not because of anything we did I'm here because somebody else wanted to show me kindness his name's Jesus I don't deserve to be up here preaching. I don't deserve to be a servant in the house of the Lord. But because if somebody did something for me, I can. He said, you know what, I'm gonna be kind to you, not because of anything you did or didn't do. I'm gonna show you kindness because of Jonathan. And look what he said I'm gonna do. I'm gonna restore to you all your grandfather's fields, and you're always gonna eat at my table. Isn't that amazing? And Mephibosheth answered and bowed down again and said, "What is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? He's just said I'm going to give you all the fields back. You've been living down there where there's not even a green pasture. You've been living where there's no hope. Everything that Saul farmed is now yours. All that land has been set aside in case I ever found a descendant of Saul. All that land is yours. You're no, you're not going to be in no pasture anymore. You're going to be in deep and wonderful pastures." And you know what Mephibosheth did? He dropped and put his nose on the ground again because he heard the king say, and plus that, you're going to eat at my table. Oh my. He said, sir, can I ask a question? Why, why would you and me good to a dead dog like me? I, I'm amazed at how we've, we we don't, we're not aware anymore of the awesome otherness of God. We're so confident that he's so glad to see us. It never dawns on us that we might want to get mercy and forgiveness and cleansing before we enter his place. Because it says you need to raise up holy hands, the name of the Lord, who will ascend to the hill, of the Lord, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Mephibosheth said why would you do anything for an old dead dog like me you know when you see a dog in the middle of the highway some truck or car is hit, hit and there's that old dead dog laying there and the first thing I think of I wonder if that was on the collar and that's somebody's pet I know at our house if something happened to our dog Janine and Jody I'd just have to take them out too I mean they couldn't handle it but you know what, when I see an old dead dog in the yard, I never say to Janine, a uh, dead dog in the yard, in the road, I never say, Janine, let's stop and see if we can feed that dog. You know why? she say, have you slipped a cog? Well, I know, let's go scoop at that, up that dog, see if we can take somebody to be a pet. Uh, let, let's go get that dog, go take it to the vet, see if we can get it shots. You say, Nick, that's not, why would you, you don't, we don't do anything with a dead dog. That's exactly right. You know what Mephibosheth said? I'm a dead dog lying in the road. Why would you even think about doing anything for me? He said, it's not for you. You're reaping the benefits of a promise I made a long time ago before you ever were. I made a promise to your daddy that if anybody anybody, anybody from his household survived, I would be true. You know what? You and I are saved because before the foundation of the world, God knew man would sin and he knew there'd be a broken air Oklahoma and he knew you and I would live here. And when he formed the world, he said way out there somewhere, I'm going to need a cross that my son can pay sin's penalty. So all who come after him can be forgiven, not because of who they are, but because of who he is look what it says in scripture why are you so good to me a dead dog verse 9 the king summoned saul's attendant ziba he said sir i want you to know i've given your master's grandson all that belong to saul and his family now you your sons and your servants you go work for him and you bring in the crops, so your master's grandson will have food. To eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will always eat my table. And what does that mean? When you bring in the harvest, you bring them to my house because that's going to be his supply. He's eating at my table from here on out. He's not a guest for breakfast. He's not just coming to a royal banquet. He's going to be. He'll have a chair and a plate and a place at my table. And look what it says. And Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. That's a pretty good workforce. And look at verse eleven. And Ziba said to the king, "Your servant will do all my lord has commanded." And Mephibosheth ate at David's table just like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son who was named Micah. And all those living serv- uh, 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 and all those living in Ziba's house house were Mephib- Mephibosheth's servants. However, Mephibosheth didn't live at his house. He lived in Jerusalem. He was always eating at the king's table. And he said one last time, "By the way, did you know he's lame?" Can I I wrap this up this way? Have you ever thought you were at the worst day of your life and it wound up being the greatest blessing you ever received? Did you ever come to a point you thought, this meeting right here, I I don't know that I'll have a job when it's over. Some of you are in a situation in marriage. You say, I'm not sure, Brother Nick, we'll be married in a month. I, I don't know if something doesn't change. Some of you here say, Pastor, I've been diagnosed with a tumor and the doctor said the prognosis is not good. So, some of you here have a child that's going through tremendous chronic illness and you say the doctor said if something doesn't improve by the time they're five I don't know of their chances long term did you ever think that next appointment was going to be the worst one ever and the doctor said I got good news for you that's gone and you're left there feeling like I'm free at last But Phibosheth got word the king knows where you are and he's told you to come he thought I'm a dead man And when he gets there and bows down low before the king in all of his crippled state, the king said, I'm going to restore all your father's fields. I'm going to provide a work crew to work for you. You'll receive the benefit and you'll get all the grace because of my promise to your daddy. And he, because of what he did for me, you're going to reap the benefit because of what Jesus did for me. I get to reap eternal benefit. And the Bible says when Mephibosheth heard, he said, now Mephibosheth, I'm not inviting you to visit the palace. I'm not inviting you to take a summer vacation in the palace. I'm telling you, you have a new home, son. See, what you need to know when you come to Christ, he doesn't just kind of repair you a little bit. He transforms you. Mephibosheth didn't have a family. His family had been murdered. He said, you do now. Now, if you use your imagination with me just a minute, some of you have never seen a true cripple. Because we live in such a mechanized world, most cripples either have a wheelchair or somebody help them in and out of wheelchair. You wheelchair. Know, I'm old enough to remember when they didn't have all that. I can remember when folks coming home from a war a long time ago didn't have legs. And they sit in city streets like Memphis, Tennessee, and they sit in city streets with no legs and just hold up a cup. And when they're ready to move, they had a little a little piece of board with four wheels on four little tiny rollers on it. And when they're ready to go, they just take two pieces of wood and they'd scoot themselves along because their legs were gone from the war. I remember as a boy watching men in Knoxville when I go visit my grandmother, there were men there that didn't have use of their legs and so they had crutches and, and they wasn't, wasn't wheelchairs that they could use because Knoxville's so hilly and they didn't have mechanized wheelchairs so, so they'd take their crutches and, and, and if you listen real carefully, you could hear that crutches hit and then they, their feet would drag. And then those crutches would hit and their feet would drag because their feet didn't work. And they just drag them, drag them under them while they could get, try to get to the next place they needed to be. Here's Mephibosheth. He felt so out of place. You ever gotten invited somewhere you just didn't feel like you belonged? Handful of times that I've been an adult, people through their kindness made arrangements for me to go places I didn't belong. I got to go to Washington for a presidential prayer breakfast when Reagan was president and I didn't belong. I got to go to a governor's mansion here in Oklahoma when one of our members made that possible. I had dinner with the head of the Green family, Mr. and Mrs. Green Sr. had dinner with them and with the governor and his wife in their private dining quarters. They got more forks at their table and we've got in our drawer. I don't belong there. You're looking at cornbread and brown beans. I was so grateful to be invited, but I felt real uncomfortable. I couldn't wait to get out there and go to KFC. That's just not who I am. Can you imagine Mephibosheth? He's a cripple. He's not even supposed to go before a king. You and I have no entry into the throne room of heaven except by Jesus. And if you'll listen, and some of you have been with me to Israel, you've seen the uncovering of the part of the palace of David. They found part of it. And you know that on the floor they had stone. They would, they would take stones and they would, they would put them in the floor and put them in the walls. And even behind the, the mud, they would put them there for security and for, for strength. If you listen real carefully, here's poor old Mephibosheth. And the king said, you're moving in here. You're not visiting today for breakfast or dinner. From now on, you've got a chair and a plate and silverware at my table. Mephibosheth, as he's hearing the servant. See, at dinner time the servant moved through the palace. Dinner is served. Dinner served. Dinner served. Here come all the ladies in waiting and all the, the nice generals and their wives and all the people that had access to the palace and they're walking and they're finery and The women have all that oil and ointment. This old farm boy Mephibosheth, he'd never seen all that. He grew up where there's a desert, a low debar, in a house of prison where he'd been sold out. He, he lived in fear. He, he might have seen a work a work garment. He'd never seen fancy schmancy palace attire. he had never seen gold and jewelry. He'd never smelled the oils and the ointments and the incense. He, he'd never seen those fragrant lamps. He'd never seen the decor and the fresh cut flowers. He, he did good to get a, a piece of bread and maybe just a, a few beans to eat. And now the palace is ready for dinner and the word goes out and everybody's, anybody's, walking down the hall and somebody saw this old cripple and he's got his crutches if you listen you can hear those crutches hit that rock and then his feet drag and hits that rock and his feet drag and here come the nice princes and the nice young young people of court and they're walking by him in their finery hello good to see you here and Mephibosheth thinking who in the world is that I don't know but I'll be having dinner with him." I wonder how bad he felt when he when he's walking crippled in the house of the king and he sees all the finery and all the people in good health and strong and they're just all around him and he's thinking I don't belong here oh yeah you do the king said but but I, I don't belong I don't belong here yeah you do and everybody else is in the courtroom they're, they're all in the dining room they all sit down at the table and now everybody says what are we waiting on let's eat you know somebody's always there I'm hungry let's eat and David says we can't eat yet what are, what are we waiting on? Did you not notice there's a new place at the table? We have a new child of the king. We're waiting on him to get home. Here comes Mephibosheth and he's coming down the wall, hall best he can, but he's not walking good because he's, he's got legs that don't work. See, when you and I first try to walk with Jesus, we, we feel pretty awkward because I, I don't know how to walk in the path of righteousness. I don't know how to soar on wings like eagles. I, 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 I don't know how to run and not be weary. I, I, I don't know how to do all that. And Jesus said, but you're going to because you're my child. I got a place for you. Here old Mephibosheth is trying his best to get there and finally he rounds the corner in the dining room and he's never seen anything like that. He's been down there on the farm. They had a little bit of pita bread and a little bit of something to smear on it and have a little something to drink and they were done maybe a date or a fig but now there's a banquet table and a feast but it's just dinner it's not a holiday that's just that's just regular fare in the house of the king and David stands in honor can you imagine he stands in honor of an old cripple and that old cripple starts coming toward the table David says, I want y'all to welcome our new resident this is a boy his daddy was like a brother to me his daddy was my best friend if hadn't been for his daddy protecting me from his daddy Saul I'd be dead I want you to meet a man whose daddy spared my life that I could be king of Israel this is his son Mephibosheth and today he's like my son from now on he's going to sit right there at that place near my near my table he's going to sit at that place and that's his fork and that's his plate and that's his his chair and somebody said but he's a cripple he say he may be, but today he's a child of the king and he'll get all the benefits that come from the kingdom. You know what? When God found me, I was a crippled in sin. How about you? Where were you when he found you? What was your affliction? Do you remember that first time that you knew you were in the presence of Christ and you felt so ashamed? That's the way Mephibosheth felt. I'm a dead dog. Why would you show mercy to me? Some of you can still remember. You know the first time I came to Jesus, you know what I had? I had hot tears coming down these cheeks. I could barely talk because I knew I was aware of my sinfulness and I knew God was pure and I knew I wasn't and I wanted so much to come home to the king but I was a moral cripple. And I've made every excuse in the world, God, you don't want the likes of me. In fact, when I was called to preach, I was a boy, I was 13. But between 13 and 19, I did everything I could to keep from having to surrender that call. And in 19, I was so miserable. My daddy said, when are you going to quit trying to fight with God? When are you going to throw in the towel? And I went up and laid across the bed upstairs in our two-story home. I had a bed bedroom and I laid across one of those beds with a bed spread on it and just cried out to God hot tears God I don't think you could ever use the likes of me I don't think you could ever use the likes of me but if you would here's my life if you can do anything with me you got it because I'm making it a mess In six weeks, I began to speak in churches. And once I began to speak, invitations started to come. And by the end of the 19th year, I was Brother Nick at First Baptist Church of Anderson, Alabama. You know what I was when he found me? (laughs) You know where I was? (laughs) You know what he did? When I got on my face before God, he called me by name. He said, i got a place at the table for you, son. One of these days I'm going to round the corner and I'm going to see the light of glory. Old Mephibosheth, when he saw the palace, it was beyond anything he could imagine. I had not seen nor heard nor the heart of, heart of man been able to imagine all God has in store. When I, round, when I round that corner and I finally see the king of glory stand like this, I don't know exactly what that's going to be like. Closest I've got, closest I've got now is a child welcoming home somebody. As you know I'm a grandfather and on occasion Janine will keep Carter while mom and dad have other things to do and when I get home from work the minute I hear the back door I'll hear Janine say to Carter Poppy's home Poppy's home and when I come through that kitchen to where the family room is he's coming at me just like this I like that there's a better greeting than that waiting on me One of these days the one who died for me is gonna have those nail-pierced hands outstretched. And I'm gonna feel so embarrassed. God, I'm I'm not all I need to be. I'm so ashamed. He's gonna say, Look at me, son, look at me, Nick. Sir, why would you be good to an old sinner like me, Nick? Look at me. Yes, sir, he said, Do you see these nail pierced hands? Yes, sir. That paid the price to get you out of the desert. Now I want you to come in here and I'm gonna give you a white robe. I'm going to give you sandals that can walk the streets of gold and a ring on your finger to show you are part of the family. And son, you're not just going to visit here. You visited a governor's mansion once. You visited a Washington prayer breakfast once. You're not a visitor here, son. Welcome home. Nick, you see this table? It's spread for you. You see that place? Right there among all the saints of the ages? That's right there for you. Nick, you see the hidden manna? As for you, I forgive you. I know you spent time in a desert, but I want to tell you, you're in a desert no longer. Welcome home. Can I ask you a question this morning? How can you possibly turn down the invitation of a king who came looking for you while you were nothing good as dead and he forgave you and he changed you? He's got a place waiting on you. Why in the world would you not today run to His open arms and say, Father, I don't, I'm not much, but if you'll accept the likes of me, I'm coming home. I want to ask you today, will you hear the voice of the King? Are you ready to leave Lodabar? If so, there's a palace and a King waiting on you. His name's Jesus. Stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe this morning this message in the Old Testament is one of the richest pictures of grace in all of Scripture because Mephibosheth represents all of us. We're crippled by moral failure. We're crippled by our own uh, self-blame and we're crippled by the accusations of Satan and we're crippled because of some event that happened sometimes years ago but we can't forget it or we can't forgive ourselves for doing it or we can't forgive the person that did that to us and we just have lived in a prison out there in darkness in a desert place. We don't have to because today the news has gone out. There's a king that's come and he knows us by name and he's invited us. In fact, he did more than that. He summoned us to come to the palace, to come before him, not so he could do us in, but so he could show us redeeming grace. I believe there's some in this room that are ready to leave the desert of sin because they so want to trust Jesus. Father, please give courage today to those who say, I'm ready to receive the grace of God. I want to be a Christian. I believe there's some that don't have a spiritual family. Mephibosheth lived in the desert. He didn't have any family until he became a resident in Jerusalem in the palace of David. And then all the family of David and all the servants of David were going to be family and servants alongside of... This wonderful man, Mephibosheth, he gained a palace and a home. I believe there's some today that say, I need a home. I'm a wanderer. I don't belong to any church. Well, why don't you remedy that? Why don't you come join this one? Some of you have never stepped out of the desert, have you? You, you say, Well, I believe in Jesus, but you, you're in a desert because you won't go all the way through and be baptized. And following baptism, not going to save you. It's just water, but it's the first step of obedience say I'm breaking with my past I'm through with the desert living I I want to be a child of the king and be obedient in his in his service some of you need to come for baptism please don't put Christ off some of you want to come like we had first service and just kneel on these benches and say God I, I so I'm so tired of the desert I'm so tired of limping from sin I'm so tired of fear I just want to be alive again through Christ Maybe a burden for your father, mother, for a co-worker that's going through a real battle. It's a good time for intercession today. Why don't you come, Father? We've walked on holy ground in 2 Samuel 9. Now we ask that your Spirit deal with us according to your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing. You need to come? Come now. Won't you do it while we sing?